0: Breathe in one, two, three. Now out one, two, three, four. Excellent. Tonight's tale of mystery, intrigue, and murder is truly spine tingling. Calm mystery. The Aluminium Dagger by R. Austin Freeman Read by Perry F. Bruns You haven't those threatening letters about you, I suppose? Yes, I have, said the inspector, and he drew a wallet from his breast pocket. Let us take the first one, then, said Thorndike. You see that the paper and the envelope are of the very commonest and the writing illiterate, but the ink does not agree with this. Illiterate people usually buy their ink in penny bottles. Now this envelope is addressed with Draper's dichroic ink, a superior office ink sold only in large bottles, and the red ink in which the note is written is an unfixed scarlet ink such as is used by draftsmen, and has been used, as you can see, in a stylographic pen. But the most interesting thing about this letter is the design drawn at the top. In an artistic sense, the man could not draw. And the anatomical details of the skull are ridiculous. Yet the drawing is very neat. It has the clean, wiry line of a machine drawing, and is done with a steady practiced hand. It is also perfectly symmetrical. The skull, for instance, is exactly in the center, and when we examine it through a lens, we see why it is so, for we discover traces of a penciled center line and ruled cross line. Moreover, The lens reveals a tiny particle of draftsman's soft red rubber, with which the pencil lines were taken out, and all these facts, taken together, suggest that the drawing was made by someone accustomed to making accurate mechanical drawings. And now we will return to Mr. Barlow. He was out when I called, but I took the liberty of glancing around the office, and this is what I saw. On the mantel-shelf was a twelve-inch flat boxwood rule such as engineers use a piece of soft red rubber, and a stone bottle of Draper's dichroic ink. By a simple ruse, I obtained a specimen of the office notepaper and the ink. We will examine it presently. I found that Mr. Barlow is a new tenant, that he is rather short, wears a wig and spectacles, and always wears a glove on his left hand. He left the office at 8.30 this morning, and no one saw him arrive. He had with him a square case, and a narrow oblong one about five feet in length, and he took a cab to Victoria, and apparently caught the 851 train to Chatham. "'Ah!' exclaimed the inspector. "'But,' continued Thorndyke, "'now examine those three letters, "'and compare them with this note that I wrote in Mr. Barlow's office. "'You see that the paper is of the same make, with the same watermark. "'But that is of no great significance. "'What is of crucial importance is this. "'You see in each of these letters... Two tiny indentations near the bottom corner. "'Somebody has used compasses or drawing-pins over the packet of notepaper, "'and the points have made little indentations which have marked several of the sheets. "'Our notepaper is cut to its size after it is folded, "'and if you stick a pin into the top sheet of a section, "'the indentations on all the underlying sheets will be at exactly similar distances "'from the edges and corners of the sheet, "'and you see that this is the case with these dents.' He demonstrated the fact with a pair of compasses. And now look at this sheet, which I obtained at Mr. Barlow's office. There are two little indentations, rather faint but quite visible, near the bottom corner, and when we measure them with the compasses, we find that they are exactly the same distance apart as the other, and the same distance from the edge and bottom corner. The irresistible conclusion is that these four sheets came from the same packet. The inspector started up from his chair and faced Thorndyke, "'Who is this, Mr. Barlow?' he asked. "'That,' replied Thorndyke, "'is for you to determine. "'But I can give you a useful hint. "'There is only one person who benefits "'by the death of Alfred Hartridge, "'but he benefits to the extent of twenty thousand pounds. "'His name is Leonard Wolfe, "'and I learned from Mr. Marchmont "'that he is a man of indifferent character, "'a gambler and a spendthrift. "'By profession he is an engineer.' and he is a capable mechanician. In appearance he is thin, short, fair, and clean-shaven, and he has lost the middle finger of his left hand. Mr. Barlow is also short, thin, and fair, but wears a wig, a beard, and spectacles, and always wears a glove on his left hand. I have seen the handwriting of both these gentlemen, and should say that it would be difficult to distinguish one from the other. "'That's good enough for me,' said the inspector, Give me his address and I'll have Miss Curtis released at once. The Same night, Leonard Wolfe was arrested at Eltham in the very act of burying in his garden a large and powerful compressed air rifle. He was never brought to trial, however, for he had in his pocket a more portable weapon. A large bore derringer pistol, with which he managed to terminate an exceedingly ill-spent life. Thank you, detectives, for listening to tonight's Calm Mystery by the Murder Mystery Company. I'm Perry F. Bruns. Would you like to show somebody you care? Is there a mystery fan in your life? Couldn't they use a quiet moment and a great story? I'm doing personal stories of 20 minutes or less. Something personal like this can make a friend or family member feel truly loved in an otherwise dark time. They're only $49 and you can email me at calmmystery, that C-A-L-M, mystery, at gmail.com. In the meantime, stay tuned for more tales to tingle and terrify while giving you a needed break from the outside world.